Coming up on the show, dating after divorce. I always wonder, too, what it would be like to date in the digital era. In online dating, I always thought I'd be very good at it. Oh, he's good at it. Started talking about sex, and she said, did your wife give you oral sex? And I said, not particularly. And she said, would you like me to give you oral sex? And I said, sure. Really good at it. She said, how about here? I said, well, where? She says, well, how about the bathroom? So uh, that did occur in the bathroom. Turns out dating when you're 40-ish isn't just about crying over alimony and worrying about the kids. It's sexy. It's a very interesting combination to find women who are very open with their sexuality, very comfortable with their sexuality, but also being incredibly nurturing. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Stay with us for a brand new episode of Why Oh Why. My heart is beating. You're listening to YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Joining me now is an anonymous friend of mine, which is pretty awesome that he's willing to do this, who just started dating in a way that I find really foreign and can't wait to learn more about. Welcome to the show. Should we make up a name for you? I don't know. Ted. Okay. Welcome to the show, Ted. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for having me here. Everything I'm about to say is true. Why are we voice? We're just a voice disguising you because you're a person who has a life and we just don't want people to know who you are. I have a life and I'm still in um, a complicated situation with my soon to be ex wife still living in the same apartment as her. And not that she listens to radio, but we have mutual friends who might be listening. So it is a decidedly ticklish, picklish situation. You're my first friend to go through a divorce and I feel really weird about it and I don't know how to be a friend through it. Well, it's not, you know, a lot of people, I told someone today at breakfast, a friend of mine, and he said, he thought I was punking him. He thought, and he kept saying, this is unreal. And it's a strange thing, because when I do tell friends, there is a sense of them not believing me and them not quite grasping it. But imagine, really, my reaction when I was told, and I was told that my wife was, my wife told me she was seeing someone else and that she wanted to end it. So I was walking around like I was punched in the gut for weeks. I was in a state of shock. There was nothing that was leading up to this? There was no indication that things weren't going well? No worse than any other. No, I, I had no I, I had no idea it would reach this point. And when I was told, it was, you know, it was like um, my past was severed and now here, here comes your new future. And it, it took uh, weeks for it to sink in. I can't imagine making like a marriage commitment where you can only be with that one person. Like I can't even, when I try to think about it, it seems really well, hard for me to grasp. <laughs> that's the thing too. Like I would keep thinking, like every guy does and maybe every woman does, I can't speak for women, is that the thought of sleeping with the same person for the rest of your life is in one way sort of comfortable and in another way kind of horrifying. And I would always talk to friends about this who are married. It's like, we could sleep with someone else, but it's not the right thing to do, obviously, and we have a good situation going. So the fact that some, that this opportunity now exists, which I never thought it would, I thought I would remain married forever, it's a very surreal, bizarre, and kind of exciting, but also kind of a frightening experience. Did you and your wife ever consider any kind of arrangement where this would have been okay? Like, did that ever come up or pass your, cross your mind? But it wasn't a sexual thing that ended the marriage. It was a emotional connection rather than a sexual connection. But she was saying that, that was from her standpoint. But yeah, there was definitely uh, sexual issues, but it was, that might have been from more from my standpoint. I don't think she, she made this decision to sleep with more men. I think it was a more of a, an emotional uh, connection rather than physical. Yeah. You jumped into dating so quick after it ended. I jumped into it very quickly, but I mean, my, my feeling was that 
Um, I always wonder too what it would be like to date in the digital era in in, in uh, online dating. I always thought I'd be very good at it because I'm good with uh, words, written words, and I thought I could be more powerful and more effective that way. So that was something I was eager to try. But it was also a sense of I don't want to go home every night and just feel sorry for myself and read my magazines and go to sleep on the couch. I'd rather be out there sort of living life. And one of the things that I did notice joining these websites, one in particular, is that if you, as a 40-something-year-old, which I am, wear a shirt and a profile and you can string <laughs> sentences together, women are very impressed. Uh, 40-something women or 30-something, it's 30-something women. And it doesn't, I'm not, it's not like I'm 20-something again where I'm too shy to talk to women at a bar. The fact now that I have a career and I'm disease-free, and I wear a shirt and profile um, photos, seems to be enough to at least get me face-to-face with women and uh, for a date. Now, you're looking at me like that's crazy. Why is that a crazy thing to say? Just, no, it just is so unfair. Why is that unfair? That, like, all a guy has to do is wear a shirt and make sentences. And, like, for some of these women, they might be dealing with, like, because you're dating a certain age group now, which is women who are facing possibly the end of their fertility. And, like, you are a really good match as a person. Like, you have so much to offer. And they are dealing with a pool of mostly, like, most of the men their age are now married or uh, disqualified from dating. So, like, you are one of, like, a very small percentage of eligible bachelors, and I just feel like you have an incredible advantage right now. No, I think you're right. And I, I didn't mean to, to to say, listen, the fact that I posed in a button-up shirt is going to drive the women crazy. What I'm saying is, and a lot of these women have sent me photos after I've become friends with them, I've become friends with quite a few if it didn't work out romantically, they'll send me photos of what the men are sending them, and it's not to be believed. I mean, uh, one woman sent me a photo today of a guy in his underpants in front of a mirror, and he had what looked to be a kielbasa in his pants. And it's like, you know, who would do that, and why would they think a woman would be impressed by that? And the fact that I'm just standing on a mountain in my profile photo, you know, looking somewhat normal, and... um, you know, uh, someone they can actually go out with and not be scared to go out with, I think is a gigantic advantage. But that's not quite true about they're not being, I mean, the, the field is smaller, but I don't think it's smaller than any other age. I think a lot of guys and a lot of women are divorcing at this age. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are looking to meet someone who they would be happy with and someone they wish they had gotten together with in their 20s. And I think that's changed too. I think a lot of people, including myself, would have dated someone in their 20s, and I did, uh, whom I would not now date. And I think that changes. And I think what you look for now is a lot different than what I look for. I just just speak for myself. What I'm looking for now is a lot different than what I looked at when I was younger. So tell me about, do you remember your first date since the separation? Well, the first date, I think this is by law, it has to happen this way. You have to announce to the person, this is my first date in 20 years. And um, it was a simple date. We were at a bar, and she showed up, and she was very sweet. And she showed up with some shopping bags. She was going um, camping the next day. And then she proceeded to disappear. And actually, she just got in touch with me recently, asking me if I wanted to go see a play with her. Um, that was the first one. That was about six weeks ago. And since then, I've been on about 12 to 15 dates. It's about two, three a week. There was a, there was, there was a few weeks where I was going on about six a week, uh, mostly during weekdays. And either it was usually a lunch date and then a dinner date. And I needed literally, this is, this is a whole new area for me. Um, I needed a, literally a spreadsheet. Did you start a spreadsheet? I started a um, a, cal- a Yahoo calendar just devoted to this. <laughs> and even by doing that, I had promised some women that I would get in touch with them and had 
just forgotten through logistical purposes, and they had gotten back in touch with me. Um, and they were right. I, you know, it was, I, I had promised I would go out with them and just forgotten about it. And they would say, we're still on for tonight. I had no idea what they were talking about. Uh. But this is on top of everything. This is on top of my job. This is also on top of me now going through a divorce. So it, it's... And being a father. Being a father, right. So this is one thing on top of another. Um, so there is... That was sort of surprising, too, how much I have to keep track of. You could, that doesn't have to be a problem. You could just date less. But the whole thing about dating is a numbers game, and you know this. The chances of meeting someone who you're going to connect with perfectly or somewhat perfectly are increased the more you go out there. I just don't understand what the rush is. Well, that's a good point, I suppose. I mean, I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't want to find another lifelong mate right away I think it's just sort of like I'm filling a vacancy in my life where um, it's also one of those things where like it, it's I have to prove to my wife who said I couldn't do this that I am capable of doing this you're doing what my friend Casey and I call hate dating which is when you're like really bitter with someone and then you date out of spite which we've totally done a bunch I'm not doing it right now yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I love meeting new people, and I've made a few friends by doing this, and I love experiencing uh, these situations, which I not, would not have experienced otherwise, and I haven't experienced in 20 years. So these are situations that I often wondered if I could now, if I were to date once again, if I could do it better than I did in my 20s, and that's sort of the thing, too, is like, can I go out and be a good date and meet someone and not get upset if they say something, and to remain friends with them if there's nothing romantic involved. I just still don't understand what you're looking for. And if it's just sex, you could just say that. But, like, <laughs> I just, I still don't totally understand it. Um, what is anyone looking for? Well, I guess, for me, it's, like, that closeness that comes from, like, I don't think I really realize this, but yeah, I was looking for a long-term partner. So when you say you're not looking for a long-term partner, then what is it? I'm not necessarily not looking for a long-term partner. I'm not looking to get married right away. I'm not looking to move in with someone. If that entails, I mean, the thing is too about dating in the 40s, everything is much more complicated. You're dealing with children. You're dealing with ex-wives. You're dealing with mortgages. You're dealing with a lot of things you didn't have to deal with when you're 20s. You're dealing with a job, a serious job. So now, you know, being a girlfriend in college or a boyfriend is completely different and entails different things than um, what it's now entails to be a boyfriend or girlfriend in your 40s. So what it um, consists of now is, it seems, is to uh, be respectful of the other person's life, including their ex-wife uh, or, or husband and their you know, children, if they have any, and um, just to be open for them and available for them. So if that, if that entails going out to dinner one night a week, then that's what it seems to be, um, you know, what most people are looking for. I think I'm just, I want to hear about these dates you've been on, and I want to hear about the women, because I have no idea of what it's like to date uh, later in life, and I really want to hear about it. I made you sound so old when I just said later in life. <laughs> right, you made me sound like one of the... Um, <laughs> The Golden Girls or something. <laughs> so I take that back. You're not that old. But I, I want to hear about the dates, but I also just want to say, caution you as a friend that, like, I'm worried you're going to burn out really fast because I feel like there's only so many superficial conversations we're all capable of before we're like, wait, where did the real thing go? Right. And that's the thing. I mean, I have to work through maybe, you know, a, per a high percentage of mediocre dates until I find someone who I feel I connect with. And that's another thing, too. Like, I would, as a younger guy, have settled with someone who I felt um, attracted to um, and felt that there was maybe an 80, 75% connection with. Like, now I, don't, I would rather wait. I think that comes uh, eventually just from going out and meeting as many people as possible. And now, I mean, that could come from a total chance. I could meet that person on the subway. But um, 
right now, the easiest way for me to meet women is through this dating site. Now, as far as the women I've dated, I, you know, I've dated um, however many, as I said before. Uh, most have been mediocre. I mean, on both our parts, we didn't make a connection. It was, you know, just making small talk. You know like, instantly, right? When that happens, you just know instantly, right? Uh, I know sometimes when they're walking towards me. <laughs> um, and usually that's another great thing about online dating is I can weed out um, those who are, you know, through emails and writing, I'm good at weeding out those who might not work out. So even that is a good indicator of what w will work, what won't work. With that said, there have been plenty of people I thought would be a hit, a connection, and it turned out not to be so, which is fine. I mean, you know, you meet an interesting person, you talk, and then you leave. You get, I mean, the very least, you get a dinner, you get a drink, and then you go home. Um, and the pressure really isn't as, as intense as it was in the 20s. Like now, if it's not going well, I have no problem with saying thank you very much, and they'll say thank you very much. We both go our separate ways, and I go home and read. I mean, like, that's not, it's not going to kill me if that happens. Yeah. So, um, but there have been a few where we've connected, and it's, it was shocking to me how quickly women at, in their 40s can decide um, what they want, how they want it, and what, how they're going to get it. Why is that a bad thing? I mean... No, there's nothing wrong. I just think it's amazing. It's just so cool to hear someone describe it so frankly. Um, I mean, there there have been three or four dates where a connection occurred, usually over alcohol, and there is no... You know, it's... If, if sex is going to happen, it'll happen that night. Yeah. It might even happen in that bar then. Tell me about the British lady. Uh, well... Um, there was a lady that I met, and um, there was a, a connection instantly. We got along quite well, and um, we started talking about sex. And she said, did your wife give you oral sex? And I said, not particularly. And she said, would you like me to give you oral sex? And I said, sure. Should we go back to your place? She said, no, I can't. Uh, my children are being babysat by my sister. And she said, how about here? And I said, well, where? She says, well, how about the bathroom? So uh, that did occur in the bathroom. But see, this is the thing, too, like that. This is why you're dating now. That well, sounds awesome. It was fun. I mean, listen, I um, th I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that. Um, it's something that never happened to me. Like, I wouldn't do that with my wife uh, for the last 20 years. So the fact that it happened at all before death, I think is pretty exciting. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing. Um, then there were other dates in which case we um, got along very well. Alcohol was also involved. It's funny how alcohol still needs to be involved in your 40s to, to smooth things over. Yeah, I can't. If you're sober in your 40s, this would be a really hard thing to do. Well, there are women who are not drinkers, and I do think that it slows things down. You know, because I do think that if you like someone, alcohol will get you there faster. You know, it, it lowers inhibitions um, and it just proceeds quicker. So, I mean, alcohol has been involved. And actually, I've been drinking more now than I have in many, many years. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, We'll talk, and we get along very well, and there might be a second date. And the second date is really what I've learned from women is the first real date. And at that point, they know. Either they will or they won't. And it you know, speeds along pretty quickly. So who was the first woman you slept with since your wife? It was the woman I was talking about who gave me oral sex in the, in the bar. Was that crazy? Did you tell her, like, hey, this is totally weird, but I haven't? No, I mean, she knew that. Know. No, I was very open about it. I mean, I said this is the first woman I've been sleeping with beyond my wife in 18 years. She Sounds she, like she was into that. Well, she was into it, too. I mean, she, that happened to her, too. She's recently divorced. So it's, it's a common thing. You know, it's like at, at, at any age you run across similarities, whether you're 14 year old, years old at a, at a junior high school dance 
or you're in your 40s and you're dealing with divorce and kids and mortgages and that sort of thing. And the same thing will happen, and I'm sure, in the in your 60s, retired, dealing with grandkids. You know, it's all across the board of similarities. So um, it's not like I'm alone out there with, with these with situation. It's a uh, something that a lot of people are going through. It just happens to be new for me. Does it come up on dates if women are looking for more kids or not? Is that something that's discussed? Well, it's listed on the um, dating profile. Want kids, have kids, that sort of thing. Um, usually at this age, from what I found, they're not looking to have kids if they're in their early 40s. But they don't mind if you do have kids. Mm-hmm. But, then, you know, that's part of the situation, too. I mean, the dating becomes complicated because... Each of the um, datees has certain days with their kids and they have relationships with their husbands or wives where they take kids for holidays or they take kids on weekends, they take kids on weeknights. So you're dealing with a lot of issues that are related and have to be worked out and that becomes even more complicated when you you involve children and you involve family and you involve all that. So that's another issue. I mean, that's why... One night a week is usually what you're looking at as far as consistent dating. Yeah. There's this thing you told me about um, the British lady, about women in their 40s being very nurturing but also sexual. That's the thing I've noticed is that it's a, it's a very interesting combination to find women who are very open with their sexuality, very comfortable with their sexuality, but also being incredibly nurturing. So I think that combination is extremely um, powerful. And I think in that sense, men do have an advantage. I have a, maybe, I mean, maybe this is my youth or something talking, but I don't find nurturing that sexy. (laughs) I'm not saying that nurturing is involved with sexiness. I'm just saying that for you to be a father and hopefully a good father for them to sense that and for you to have been a good husband and to have been screwed over a bit, um, I think can only help, um, your cause as a single guy, because I do think that they understand, uh, goodness and they want to reward that. And I think the nurturing comes from, you know, just, you know, I'm not saying men can't be nurturing, but, it's a very powerful drive in women, and um, it's something that I didn't see as a 20-something-year-old. And I, you know, it Women in their 40s that I've seen uh, tend to be very decent, nurturing people, and I think that folds into the dating situation. Oh, this is so interesting, because I feel like I'm not even allowed to, like, pet my dog too much in front of a partner. Like, I'm, it's just going to be a killer if I'm like, oh, you're a good dog. Oh, here's your dinner. Like, <laughs> spoon me. If yeah. I, like, seem too nurturing, then they're going to be like, oh, she wants kids tomorrow. Can't do this. Right. And that disappears. I mean, like, the fact that I love animals and will genuinely love to be around their pets is not something that I have to hide at this point. And it's not something they have to hide. I mean, you know, I think people are just more comfortable with themselves and if you're a nurturing person, I'm not saying everyone out there in the dating scene is nurturing, but if you're a decent nurturing person, I think it's seen a, it's seen now as a positive and a bonus. That's awesome. It's certainly not as a negative. That's so awesome. Wait, can I ask you about like, um, like late 30s, early 40s women being naked and stuff? <laughs> They're much, from what I've seen compared with 20-something and teenage when I was dating my teens, they're much more comfortable to be nude, and it, there's nothing. But, there's this, but I can't help but worry about this all the time, which is like guys get so much more attractive as they get older, and I worry that women don't get more attractive as they get older. I don't agree and with I that. And I feel like a lot of, well, okay, yeah, I want to hear more about that, but I feel like the biggest fear a lot of women have is like you're going to be totally irrelevant after you're 35. Like, I think that's ridiculous. I think women, um, I think men don't care as much as women may think they do. For what I found to be incredibly sexy is just being comfortable no matter what you look like. And um, whether it's someone who may be viewed as being uh, not traditionally attractive or not 
traditionally thin or whatever, that doesn't matter. I don't really think it matters. I think that kind of goes out the window, too. Hmm. I think if you're a normal guy, uh, I mean, there there are probably lunatics out there who won't date anyone without a perfect figure, but I think that uh, that's one of the things, too, that change. It's just how you view yourself, and if you're comfortable in your body, that becomes a, a... to me, a form of sexiness. Wow, that's great to hear. Any other crazy or really awesome women you've been on dates with that I should know about? Well, there have been a lot of women. Another thing I've noticed, actually, is I'm almost talking like I'm sort of sort of alien into a foreign culture, but I do feel <laughs> I like... I smell a book coming on. <laughs> I, I do feel like it's a whole new world for me. There seems to be um, not a rush to date or meet someone but a wariness that I've seen in people. Um, a seen it, been there, is this another waste of a night for me? That sort of thing. And I think when there is a connection, it becomes that much more powerful. Because it's not like you're in college again where you're at the uh, Durant scale and you're surrounded by like-minded people, all single, and you're... You know, easily can hook up with someone. Now it becomes that much more complicated. But I think when it does happen, when a connection does happen, um, a, there's a spark, and you can sort of see them. And I think in myself too, just sort of perk up and say, "Wow, this may be, uh, this may work." And I think it becomes valuable. I think it becomes more valuable than it used to be because it's more rare. Hmm. And uh, that wariness sort of goes out the window at that point, and it becomes uh, sort of a special thing. There's something um, my regular guest Hollywood and I talk about a lot, which is PTDD or post-traumatic dating disorder, which we've made up. It's not a thing. But I feel like some people come into their relationships like, well, my ex-husband always told me this, so you're probably about to say that. And then you can get like an immense amount of credit for not being that guy. Like with my parents' marriage, my dad would always be like, honey, you left the garage door up please don't leave the garage door up. Did you leave the garage door up? Is the garage door up? And like, there's a lot of stress about leaving the garage door up. And then she later had a boyfriend who she woke up one morning, realized she'd left the garage door up. And he was like, oh, who cares? And she felt this like amazing joy. But 10 years down the line, there'll be something that her new boyfriend does that might upset her. I mean, there's, there's no one perfect, but yeah, there's definitely, you know, when you're in an 18, 20 year relationship, and then all of a sudden you're out of it, all you can notice are the positives in the new person. But the ex of the person you're now going out with, I'm sure has stories about that drive them crazy about the person. So yeah, that's that's one thing that you're looking for is, is this person not doing what annoyed me with the first person? And that becomes sort of a, an interesting thing. That's like a, a common hiring mistake, is like they try to overcompensate for the, the ways the last person doing the job was failing and in the process they right and you're going to hire someone yeah. who is is going to annoy you in fresh ways right I, mean, mm-hmm. I would think but it does in the short term it is very interesting and sexy to find someone who doesn't do the one or two three things that drove you the most crazy from your previous uh um are any of the girls still in the picture Yes, there um, a few are, and I'm going on a date tonight. With a totally new one? A totally, <laughs> totally new one. I, I look at it as like, all right, well, if worse comes to worse, I'm going on my way home, and I'll just get a drink and just meet someone new. But there definitely is a um, feeling of like, when do I call it quits? When do I stop dating other people? Oh, yeah. Um, I think you get to take your time with that. Um one of my colleagues developed the term a pre-girlfriend. Pre-girlfriend. <laughs> so, like, if things start to get really regular with a girl, he starts calling her a pre-girlfriend. But, like um, pre-cancerous. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it'd take a lot, I think, to be girlfriend. So. Yeah, and I think that, does this co-worker, was he married? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think he knows when to throw up the brakes. Right. Um, yeah. But I would be happy to come back and report on my... Um, Please do. Adventures in two months, and maybe I'd be, maybe I'll be married in two months. I don't know. How how let's let's make your predictions for what you think your next year is going to look like. 
I think I will date a lot of women, and I, I think that there will be a few that I will keep in contact with physically and emotionally, uh, but I do not see myself as jumping into another long-term relationship, and I certainly don't see myself as getting married in the next year. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a plan. Uh, I can't, I, I'm excited to follow. I'm sorry if I'm going to keep asking you like questions naive of someone who doesn't have another friend your age dating and doesn't know anything about divorce. So I'm sorry already for being naive and asking you dumb questions. No, and this is new for me too. I mean, I, if I would have been the same as you two months ago, three months ago, like what is that world? It's a new world and hopefully you'll never have to know about it. Yeah. Well, I hope. Here, here's hoping for an open marriage. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that has problems too. I know, I know, but at least one full of oral sex. Would you, would you push for an open marriage? I think I'd want like some exploration. Like, as some listeners are going to hear, my boyfriend and I recently went to a swingers party for the show, and I feel like that's something I get to do because we're not in that situation and we get to kind of like see what feels right and it did not go the way we I say this all the time on the show but this did not go the way we thought it would we thought it would be an incredibly sexy experience and it wasn't no it usually isn't (laughs) definitely wasn't but uh because I see this guy sticking around for a bit like there's some terror associated with that which is like what does that mean and how do you well that's the thing there's terror associated with everything there's terror associated with being alone or being with only one person, there's just, it's just terrifying. The whole thing is terrifying. Yeah. Have fun. Good luck, buddy. Speaking of which, I have to go to the date. <laughs> okay, we'll have you back. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. That was Ted. Good luck, Ted. We'll have you back soon. Next up is another guy. Instead of 40-ish, he's about to turn 40. He's a friend of a friend who has hired a professional matchmaking service. Two, actually. The first one, he told me, was $25,000. And the other one is in that range. Guessing he spent at least $50,000 on this. And the interview might feel slow. Like, why is this reserved guy talking about his dating life? But then, halfway through the interview, he's going to lift up his shirt and show me his real personality. So joining me now is... We can't say your name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what should we know about you? Introduce yourself in whatever vague terms you'd like to introduce yourself. Well, that's a tough question. Uh, 39, live in New York City, work in finance, pretty active, try to stay fit, close with my family. And single? Yes, definitely single. When did you find yourself single again? I've been single over a year since my last relationship, and I was married years ago, so had a bunch of relationships since then. Um, are you like a relationship guy who like goes, you don't like serial being monogamist? Single? Yeah. Uh, probably more of a serial monogamist, yeah. What, how do you feel different when you're in a relationship versus single? Uh, it's nice to have, you know, someone to do things with and someone to share your kind of common experiences and, you know, activities. So it's, uh, it's nice to be in a relationship. It's also nice to not be in a relationship, too. I guess the grass is always greener. Yeah, I always wonder, like, do I feel more like myself when I have a partner or do I not? I don't ever know. I just think as you get older, it's just more of like uh, odd man out. So when everyone's kind of coupled up or having kids or doing things, it's a little different, you know, your social circles a bit. So it gets a little bit complicated at times. When you got married, did you think that like that was it and that you'd never be single again and that you just like, could you picture this like being 39 and single moment? Uh, definitely not. I definitely thought it was more of a forever thing when I was doing it. My parents are still together, so kind of my idea of marriage and relationships thought we'd still be together now. One of my friends is is getting, it's like my first friend who's getting a divorce. And, uh, and it, you know, I just, I can't, I don't know what, how to talk about it or how to like explain it, but like, 
he's dating so soon, right after. Just went straight from, you know, relationship town, like I'm married to this person forever to OkCupid. And I find that so amazing. Like, do you do you think you, after a divorce, you need to like wait a bit or is it okay to just jump right back into the game? I don't think it's just divorce. I think it's relationships in general. I think you probably need time to not rebound mm-hmm. and to clear your head and figure out things a bit. And probably took me eight years to figure things out or so. So once you became single again, how old were you when you got divorced? It was 30 when it was finalized. It was a long process. I bet. Oh, my God. Um, So you're 30. You're single. How do you meet people? Back then, it was more just kind of bars and clubs and being out, out and about. And then, you know, you still had friends who had a lot of single friends at the time as well. Are you like a bar person? Can you like meet someone at a bar? Uh, I could probably go up and talk to people pretty much anywhere. So definitely at a bar. Although, you know, not as much now. But I would say, you know, back then there was also uh, the parent factor of always trying to set you up as well. Friends and, you know, family and, you know, my (laughs) sisters and everything. Um, Do you feel like they really want to see you settle down again? They being... Your family, I guess. uh, Yeah, I think it's just definition of happiness. I think, you know, people want you to live what they think makes that you happy, which is what makes them happy, and it's not always the same. So, you know, I think family's more accepting of my lifestyle now. So do you want to get married again? Is that what Scene and Matchmaker's about? I definitely want to have kids and be in a relationship. I'm not 100% on the marriage thing, although probably necessary. So for you, it's kids? Yes. When did that realization happen? I think I always wanted to have kids. I don't think that was really a question. It was just kind of timing and when I was ready or, you know, kind of available emotionally. Yeah. Do you feel, you know, like a woman actually has like a biological clock and at 39 she'd be incredibly anxious. (laughs) Like where do you... Okay, so women have this thing called a reverse timeline where we're always thinking about the age that we think we can't have kids anymore and then we're calculating back. So... If I want to have a kid by 37 and maybe I want to have two, then I need to meet someone by the time I'm 32 so we can date for a year and then get engaged and then blah, blah, blah. Like, do you do a reverse timeline? Are you stressed out about the deadlines here or just you could wait till 70? I don't know about 70, (laughs) but I think there's a little bit more room. But, you know, in my 40s would be good. So you have this thing. You're like busy, active, cool job, and you're realizing you want to meet someone and start a family, possibly. Well, how do you, when, when did you decide to seek out the help of a matchmaker instead of just the normal bar, friends, family scene? It was probably around nine months ago. And I think I tried, uh, you know, I was in a relationship that ended last summer. And that was a couple of years. So being newly single, just trying to kind of figure out life and started a new job. So I was pretty busy with work. And, you know, work requires a lot of travel. So it was just trying to figure out life. And the dates I was being brought to me were not uh, less than ideal, shall we say. What do you mean by brought to you? Uh, it was, you know, I had my mom trying to set me up. I had some friends trying to set me up. So that and then, you know, would, you know, meet people out. But I'm not really sure that a, a bar or club is the best place to meet people anymore. Yeah. It's a little hard to talk to people and <laughs> necessarily find people Your substance. hearing's going... <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Not my hearing. But yeah. <laughs> you're like my grandma now. Um, so, so then you're like, when did you first? When did the idea of a matchmaker first come to you? It was suggested by one of my doctors when I was talking to them about relationships, and they're like, "Well, I'm sure you wouldn't be open to this, but you know, why don't you try, you know, a matchmaker?" And I was like, uh, "Okay," you know, and I think she was shocked. So I. Uh, you know, interviewed a bunch of matchmakers, the one that she recommended and a couple of other ones as well. What's it like to meet with a matchmaker for the first time? Is it like that Bravo show? <laughs> I've never actually watched the show, so I don't even know to tell you honestly. Uh, she just has like a very chic office and then and she like kind of size you up and tries to evaluate your problems right from the get go. I, I don't think they're sizing you up. I think it's in the beginning. It's almost like uh, it feels like an interview, like mm-hmm. you want to pass the test where they want to work with you. But then later on, you get to evaluate whether or not you want to work with them. But I think it's, you know, you want to at least get the nod to have the option, I would say. Did each matchmaker have like a different focus or like strategy for how they matchmake you? There was definitely different strategies for it. 
Um, it's similar to, as I would think about it, parallel it to is in the workforce, it's like having a headhunter, you know, someone who's going to be out and help you find an employee if that's what you're looking for. So it's outsourcing someone to find people for you. What pool are the different matchmakers working with? Are they using online dating for you? Do they have like their own headshots being mailed to them? Like, it it is definitely work? not Tinder uh, <laughs> for that purpose, <laughs> or any online dating. So it's all... So wait, the matchmaker doesn't just sit and swipe Tinder for you? No. no? <laughs> well, that's a different function that someone could do, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, there's no swiping. <laughs> so then, but then do you know where the matchmaker finds these eligible bachelorettes for you? I think they're just out networking. I think it's kind of word of mouth and more of a velvet rope. I think they have, you know, established relationships and reputation out there, and they're kind of sought after. I would say that I'm less shy about it. I mean, my friends and coworkers and people know that I'm doing it, but I would say, obviously, that's how I got to you, but uh, <laughs> I would say that probably the women are less inclined to tell people that they're doing it, so I think it's... A little bit different there on that side of the equation. Of the women that they're setting you up with, have they hired mat- the matchmaking service, do you think? Or are they just... With the so, services that I've yeah. been involved with, it's all the men are kind of hiring the search firm. So the women are, I guess, clients, but not paying customers. Uh-huh. That's kind of amazing. Is, is that Does that tension exist? So tell, tell me about the first date that was set up for you. I don't remember the first date. There was a bunch of dates already, so it's hard to remember the. Uh, <laughs> How many dates are we talking person. about here? I've probably been on ten dates or so. That's not a ton. It's like a reasonable amount, maybe. Uh, well, with how busy you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to get out once a week if I could, but it just really hasn't, you know, been able to work out that well. Okay, so maybe ten dates so far. So, what was, is there? Just like a vibe that goes on, like I paid someone to help me meet you. Uh, I don't think it's that, but I guess one of the things to take a step back in is the process. There's like a long questionnaire you answer as well. So both the men and women fill out this probably 40, 50 you know, question questionnaire as well. What are the questions about? Uh, they're about you and your interests and goals and history and I think things that kind of help them to evaluate whether people will be a match or not. Uh-huh. But I don't think they're, you know, it's not scientific. It's not math. So you got to... Kind of Do you think it's basically think. like an okay cupid question, like where it's like drug use or politics or I think there's some behavioral questions as well, just to sense them out. Um the other thing is is that, you know, with the service that I went with, they meet everyone ahead of time. So they've kind of pre screened everyone before you meet them. So I guess you could put something on paper and that might not pass the test of an interview or your appearance or how you really act when you're in front of someone. So what did you like about the matchmaker you eventually hired? I think I just felt comfortable with the people who I thought were going to be doing the work day to day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the gut. They were based in New York as well. So there's, you know, firms all around the country. So they're based here. And I think it was, you know, their appearance and just just general gut over who's going to be doing the legwork for you. So how much does a thing like this cost? That's negotiable, uh, I guess, in the terms. And I think it's it's priced upon, I guess, how much work they think it'll be. Oh, my gosh. So I think if you have unrealistic expectations or desires, I think you'd be priced accordingly. Oh, or, my or if gosh. They'd, or if they'd accept you at all. So if you walked in and you said, I just want to meet um, a professional bodybuilder who loves ferrets as much as me, then it would be a, they would price you much higher. I'm not sure about how many female bodybuilders <laughs> there are out there, so that would be a, a tougher one for me to answer maybe. But I would say that if your expectations tend to be more unrealistic, um, you know, if I had kids or just some of the things, you know, I guess people can't see me here, so it's a little tough. So if they thought I was a harder sell, they would otherwise, you know. I'm sure you got a great rate. Uh, that's what they say, right down the strike zone. But, you know, again, it's negotiable. Well, yeah, you want, like, you have a job, you want kids, like, you're fit and nice and interesting, and, like, I'm sure they gave you the cheapest package possible. <laughs> well, I'm sure that wasn't their initial <laughs> offer, but we negotiated for a while. That's cool. Wait, okay, so what does that offer include? Is it just, is it all, like, just whatever, I well, don't know, what is it? What different services had different pricing models, so some were more of a retained search where you engage them and that was like a fixed price for X number of dates that they would find you or individuals. Uh, the, the one that I ultimately chose to go with was based upon an amount of time and unlimited dates within that time period. 
So how much work you wanted to put into it was how much work you were going to get out of it. Kind of how much availability. Yeah, you had to make time for it. And I would also say that, you know, the feedback you give them and how honest you are in your questionnaire and what you like and don't like on the dates. Yeah, that all matters. Um, So can you tell me about some of the dates that you've been on with the service? Sure. Um, I would say, you know, as part of this process, I definitely started to figure out what I didn't like versus what I did like. So more of a ruling out in general versus knowing exactly what I want or don't want. So there's been some general guidelines. I hear that so often from people that that's like a big part of what online dating is. It's like you you learn your deal breakers really fast. So what are some of those deal breakers? Well, I try not to set deal breakers. I have general guidelines of what I don't think will work. And if they think otherwise, if someone kind of violates one of those, (laughs) then, you know, if they're great otherwise, I'd, you know, consider going on the date again. Okay. So what are some examples? So my preference would be is not to have anyone who has children yet. I just feel like that's kind of complicated both in their life and, you know, multiple families' lives. Yeah. Um, Prefer someone who's kind of active and fit. You know, it doesn't have to be a zero, but want someone who's, you know, active and, you know, shares similar lifestyle. Yeah, who can be active with me. Uh, I found that people from Connecticut tend to be a little (laughs) more conservative uh, than I'm used to or would be like. So that's uh, generally uh, a line there. Uh Uh-huh. I'm trying to think. Those were kind of the initial ones that I can think of right now for ruling things out. Interesting. Were any of the dates really bad? Or most or do you think like the quality of the dates was improved because of the service? Uh, it's definitely better than my mother and friends were doing. Uh, from that perspective, <laughs> I used to think it was you know generally thought out and, and you know and people were trying to match things. but again, it's an art, not a science. so not every date's going to be perfect. But I think that, on both sides of the equation, people try to be respectful. So I don't think, you know, if the women the woman wasn't interested, I think that she would be respectful because she wouldn't want to get a bad score or bad feedback from me because then she wouldn't get set up with one of the other guys. Ah, so you're like accountable to something that isn't, that's larger than you. So you can't treat each other badly. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get feedback. I mean, you would get feedback if you're, you know, you know, not well behaved or, you know, you did things or if you claim to be something and then after a couple of dates they get feedback to the contrary. I think they would say, hey, you know, you claim you're outgoing. Uh-huh. And the women say you barely talk on the dates. So what's going on here? What is a typical date like? What kind of a date would you take a woman on from the service? Well, they set up the date. Oh, so they say you're going here and you're going to order the veal? It's not necessarily even a dinner, actually. They do it more drinks at a bar with the option to transition into dinner. The option to transition into dinner. (laughs) Yeah, if it's going well, I guess, and you want to stay or hang out longer. You know, you could usually have dinner at the bar or there's a reservation for you at that restaurant as well. Do you think they, that's nice that they make the arrangement for you. You don't have to think about it that much, I guess. Not too much, but you have to, you know, let them know what you like or don't like or what you think works and doesn't work. Okay. Um, do, how, how deeply do they plan this for you? Do they tell you what to wear? When you join, there was actually a letter that lays out kind of general behavior, and it came with a GQ. And it kind of talked about, you know, do's and don'ts before and during the date. Did you learn it? Did you learn stuff? I think a lot of it's common sense, but I could see how a lot of it had to be, you know, written. But, you know, definitely kind of that reminder and things make sense. Yeah. Um, what other aspects of their service? Did they take photos of you? They Some... did not take photos of me. Okay. But actually, when you talk to them ahead of time, when they're setting up a date, you don't. I don't see photos of the people as well. So I think they want to take that out of it. That's great. Yeah. Um, so it's not totally superficial. Yeah. Do you... Um, is it understood as you go on these dates that... Well, okay, were most of the women fully employed or not? Like, were there... Yes. Yeah? But that depends on what you want. I mean, so if I, you had just wanted models, would they have brought you models? Uh, probably. I, you know, I don't know if, if... But I guess they're employed is the first thing, if they're a model. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, yeah, I mean, uh, they're, you know, they kind of... I think they evaluate whether or not they have the people in their system and whether or not they can match you or if they're going to have to go out and find people for you. Yeah. So if it's an unrealistic expectation, I don't think that they would take on the assignment, but... I'm not always 100% yeah. sure on that one. Uh, oh, 
Oh, wait, we, we never said the numbers. So how much does this cost for you, the service? We did not say the numbers. So I got quotes from various services that were 15 to I think around like $30,000 or so. And that's the general range for the service? That was the range after meeting with a couple of services. And I guess that was priced for me. That doesn't mean that someone else's price wouldn't be more or less, possibly. Yeah. That's Although I think I'm down the strike zone. When you think about it in your head, how do you justify the expense? How do I justify the expense? I don't know. Like, What's the price of happiness worth? Really? I, I don't know. I just... Uh, If I look back at things I spent money on in my life, and whether it's in one's fail swoop or over time, you know, I spent more at bars and clubs. So, I mean, what did that get me, really? So, I don't think it's, I think it's an investment. So, I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's something where if you want to, you know, do something seriously and spend the time, you know, and kind of help leverage your availability, it makes sense. And it hopefully prevents me from wasting a lot of time. No, you're right. Like, what is what are wasted years worth if you could spend those years with someone who are making them is making it better? Or if you just think about in your life things you do yourself versus things you have other people do because it's not what you're good at. Yeah. So you know, I don't know if like, if your toilet's breaking, you know, broken. Do you call the the plumber or do you call the you know the maintenance guy or do you do it yourself? So I don't mean to drop it to that level, but it's just we all should know what we're good at and what we're not good at and where, how our time is best spent. My thoughts of dating has been like, yeah, when I was applying for colleges, when I was like applying for jobs, like I just was super proactive about that. I don't know why you wouldn't be as proactive about this one thing, which is like one of the biggest determining factors for your happiness in your life. I think it's society. Yeah. It's not as common or known. I actually, before I finally engaged one of the firms, spoke to someone who I had used for you know, a search firm that was hiring a lot of people for us. So I'd actually talked to him about the industry in general. He was the owner of the company and, and asked him his thoughts. And I guess in other cultures, he told me it's really big in Asia, as an example. It's true. So, uh, you know, I hadn't done a lot of homework up until that point. But, you know, and I asked him why they didn't have a division that does it, because I would trust him to do it for me. <laughs> That's so amazing that it's such a trust thing. So... um well, if you think about what people do, right, if you have friends and they're like, oh, you're single, you know, she's single, that works. And that's kind of what they look at. And they don't evaluate across a bunch of criteria, typically. What do your friends say about it? Well, they all want to know the stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how we ended up here. I was at a dinner with a bunch of guys from college and we we're talking about what was going on in our lives. And next thing you know, I'm here, well, I guess a couple <laughs> weeks later, but eventually here. Doing this on so the So wait, air. what's a question that your friends would ask you that I'm not bold enough to ask you? I think they're just kind of like, is it good or is it bad? You know, like, you know, they said, like, what's the quality? Yeah. I wouldn't say like anyone was overly, I think people are more surprised at the concept, not that I would be doing this concept. <laughs> For you, it makes, it makes sense as like a thing you would be doing, that you're like kind of practical or what do you think? Definitely practical, but maybe doing things that are not exactly social norms. So, like, this is not, I would say, commonplace or as mainstream, so it wouldn't be as surprising that I would do this. Or given the cost, just be willing to try it. What are some other ways that you're, like, outside the norms as a person? Outside the norms? Yeah. I don't know if we should share that here in the air. <laughs> I don't know if I know the, the listening audience that well. Oh, they're they're all hippie, hippie, liberal oh. children. You probably wouldn't tell by staring at me that I have a bunch of tattoos. No, I wouldn't. Oh, no one could possibly tell because we're on the radio. Yes, exactly. You have secret tattoos that no one can see? Yes. Or you're lying right now. I can't tell. (laughs) Oh, you do. Very cool. And he's Jewish, ladies. (laughs) So would Oh, my God. Those are great. Yeah. But very tasteful and, like, you know, secretive. So no one would be really surprised that you're a little outside the norm. So where do you find yourself right now? Where do I find myself right now? Uh, so I guess the search firm that I was using, the, the matchmaking firm, basically all the employees have either left or been fired. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uncertain with them. But I've actually started to go down the road with another firm. Okay. So doubling down. That's amazing. What did you like about the second firm? 
I think it was just the people. I mean, I was comfortable with the people who were doing the work day to day and, you know, were kind of getting the results for me and working with closely. So that was kind of what the drivers, it's just comfort and feel. Has How's the experience been between the two different firms? Uh, it's... It's generally been, you know, the same because I was more insulated from the firm by the people who are doing the work. So yeah. I think that's been, but, but again, that's newer to the uh, new firm, like past week or so. So how many more months does the new firm have? Uh, it's, a, it's a different model, so it has a, a much longer uh, life cycle. Just until you're done? Uh, I don't think it's hard and fast, but I think it's, yeah, until you're married. Whoa. Yeah, a little bit more standing behind their product. Is this one a much more expensive product? No. Same price range. But they're just going to work with you until, they, until you're ready. I guess they wouldn't take you on if they didn't think it was realistic or a fit for them as well, hopefully. How does dating in your um, late 30s compare to other ages? I guess I was the one thing I was, I was surprised about, maybe at the age range. So when I first signed up, just how young they thought would be willing <laughs> to go out with me. So What's the youngest they've set you up with? I think it was mid-20s. So it seems like a lot of time, but I guess that just depends on the person. Would you ever cheat on your matchmaker by using online dating tools yourself? I don't think it's cheating. I mean, that would be like <laughs> saying if I go to the bar, I shouldn't talk to someone because I have that. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, I might just have this matchmaker out there working for me and doing it, and I might meet someone another way, and that would be more of the fate we talked about. But I think right. that that helps to kind of force you to be out there and you also can get I mean you get feedback I mean what you're doing right what you're doing wrong you know how kind of general you know behavior so it's you know there's that that's a positive to get objective criteria you know and feedback of you know what you're doing on dates right and what you're doing wrong so do you want to do a radio personal ad a radio personal ad yeah do you want to say what you're looking for yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want someone who, you know, who'd be active, someone who's family-oriented. Uh, you know, I want someone who kind of has a purpose, whether it be a job or a, kind of a cause from a day-to-day -day perspective. I think that people need to have a life together, but they also need to have separate lives as well. So you kind of have to stand alone on your own two feet before you can be a couple together. Active. So does that mean going to the gym, biking, running? What is your What are your activities? I'm actually training for a marathon in New York. Done a couple of tough mutters. Uh huh. Play tennis. Okay, tennis. Surfing. Running. You know, I'm pretty surfing. active, yeah. Um, but I don't think they have to be that active. I think they just, you know, to be able to do some of the activities together would be good. What does she like to do on the weekends? I think it's a combination, you know, spending time with friends, family, unplugging from the phone, putting the phone down is probably a good thing. So if you are that lady and you are in the New York City area, send an email to me, andreaslenzi at gmail.com. I'm going to take a stab at this matchmaking thing, and I'm going to see if I can outdo his service. <laughs> He's put all this money into the service. I'm going to offer a free service in exchange for radio interview. So eligible bachelorettes, please email andreaslenzi at gmail.com. And I'm going to pick the spot. It's going to be a really trashy dive bar. I will not make a reservation. <laughs> no, I'll find something. I'll plan the date. No, I won't. You'll plan the date. I think I can handle planning the date. <laughs> and I'll just just tell us a bit about yourself, and I'll send this on to our guest today, our mystery man guest today. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. After our chat, we stepped outside of my office, tried to hail a cab. When the cab didn't come, he called Uber. Turns out he just really loves services and convenience. I rode with him to where he lived because it was near my train station. In the back of the car, he told me about the other girls he's meeting on a dating app called J-Swipe. J-Swipe, Tinder for Jews. He's big on J-Swipe, which left me wondering, which left me with the decision that hiring a matchmaker is a lot like joining a gym. You're sending an attention out in the world, you're saying, I want to meet someone. I want to make my life better. But whether you lose the pounds going for runs or changing your diet or actually at the gym, that matters way less. How you get there is up to you. I'm Andreas Lenzi, and you've been listening to Why a Why. We have a podcast. It's in the iTunes store. 
If you want to find a lot more episodes, let me check my podcast. I think it's 36 more episodes of the show. Go subscribe there. Um, And while you're there, write a review. Come on, I want to catch up to all these ex-boyfriends of mine who have their own stupid podcasts, and I want to have way more reviews than them. So uh, the more you guys can write, the more you'll help my fragile, fragile ego. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, and online at WFMU.org. Please stay tuned for Infinite Distortion with Bosch.